This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? You know what, Chip? We made it to September, so I'm doing great because of that. We finally are making it to football season. Now let's just pray it goes on without a hitch, and I'll be great. Come on. You? I mean, the longest spring... The longest March, the longest April, the longest May, the longest June, the longest July, August of all time. But we made it to September. We did. Guess what? Guess what? I mean, we always get you the latest and the greatest here on the flagship podcast. We we jump right in to the big headlines. Um, We have game times. Game times. I can't believe the day has come. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's not how I wanted to spend my birthday, Taylor. I wanted to be in Baton Rouge with the bedraggled LSU Tigers who continue to have players opt out. Really good players. I'm telling you, LSU is a four-loss team this year. Texas would have beaten the bleep Mm -hmm. out of the LSU Tigers. But we can't waste our time on what could have been, what should have been, what might have been. Right. So now we are going to spend... September 12th with the Longhorns and the Miners, one of the worst teams in college football last year. And it's going to be a 7 o'clock kick on LHN, Taylor. So a lot of people probably won't not see the game because of that. All right. Do you have LHN? I do, yes. Okay. Well, do you? Well, yeah, yeah, you would too. We kind of all we have to. Have to. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. It's kind of messed up my cable choices, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Because if you do sling, you don't get the local channels. You don't get Roger Wallace and Bob Ballou and And, you know, we got to have those guys too. So, yeah, I'm still paying the big bucks for cable because of LHN. I still am too. Yeah. Oh, well. But the hey. sacrifices we make. So that we can provide the best content for our listeners and our members over at Horns 24-7, right? That's right. That's right. We (laughs) have to pay big bucks for cable to make sure that we deliver the goods for you. And then we write it off on our taxes. So, (laughs) uh, Taylor, I I cannot tell you how excited I am that we have game times. We also have a game time for... Texas's Big 12 opener at Texas Tech on September 26th. And guess what, Longhorns fans? You avoided the Bermuda Triangle kickoff time. You're going to play at 2.30, not 7. You know, I'm trying to think back to the last time that Texas played a night game in Lubbock. I'm trying to think if it was 08. No, uh, I covered a night game there. Since? 
Yes, it was. When was that? I'm trying to remember when it was. It's it's been fairly recent. Okay. Yeah, maybe like 2014, 15. Okay. Yeah, I think. I might have blacked out. Uh, my mind immediately races to the worst night game experience for Longhorns fans of all time, 2008. So I'm sorry. Right. But you <laughs> I don't just blame you. <laughs> you don't want that again. No, no, not at all. Because Texas was the better team that night, didn't play it. And anyway, um, this year, Texas is going to be the better team. They just need to handle business. And for some reason, Texas Tech as a football team doesn't turn into a monster during the day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know what? They actually played the last time they played uh, at Texas Tech, I think, was a night. No. Was it? I think the last time they played there was a night game. In 20. In uh, 18? Yeah. Kickoff time, 6.35 p.m. Oh, that's right. And that was a voodoo game. Yes. Yes. That was when little Jordan Humphrey had to moss that guy. And Jet Duffy played like a Heisman winner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Devontae Davis had the game of his career as a Longhorn. He had like an interception, a forced fumble, a recovered fumble, all like in Texas territory with Tech driving. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> You just don't want that night kickoff in Lubbock. No. Because that's when shenanigans happen. Mm-hmm. So, but hey, at least with the, the limited capacities, you'll not be so worried about getting hit if you're standing on the field because I can't tell you how many times I got tortillas, sausage wraps, everything, just standing on the field, not a part of the team, nothing, just tossed at me. Just, <laughs> so. just filming the game. Yep, just sitting there doing my job. And Well, in 2008, I got run over by the students twice because they thought the game was over. It wasn't. They had to kick an extra point or something. So the students ran over me. Then they ran over me going back. Then they ran over me again. Yeah. To celebrate that nonsense. But, hey, Texas fans, what we're trying to tell you is be happy. Yes. Because you got the 230 kick in Lobotics on Fox, Mm -hmm. and you're not playing at night in Lobotics. So. That is fantastic news. That's probably the best news of the day, Taylor, for these Longhorns. You know, Chip, one thing I'm curious. So the Texas-Oklahoma game has also been, the game time has been announced. And historically, that game's usually played either at 11 a.m. There have been a few times where it's been at 2.30 p.m., but it's never a night game. And I think the reason, honestly, is just to avoid the the you know debauchery yes exactly i mean when the the fan bases get together i mean it's a clash of the titans essentially of fan bases so you want to get them before they're absolutely entirely inebriated i think before their livers are just begging for mercy yes after spending all day at the state fair of texas but this year i felt like it was a perfect time for them to have texas oklahoma kick off at nighttime however the game time once again, it's set for 11 a.m. Wouldn't it be better if this was a night kickoff? I mean, the, the atmosphere is going to be different already. I was right. Without, the, without all the flat beer at the state fair, you could have it at night. Right. Yeah. This, you're probably right. This is probably the one time you could have the Texas OU game at night. But 
you know, they don't like the fair to stay open that late, right? Don't, doesn't it shut down at 10 or something? Yeah, yeah, you may be right about that. So I think they want everybody out of the state fairgrounds mm-hmm. um, at a decent hour. Right. But um, yeah, you're right. This year probably would have been the only time to do it because you're not just in the sauce. Yeah. I mean, you're in the sauce. You're probably in the sauce. Come on, let's be honest. You're going to bring your own sauce. You're going to get in the sauce. But you know what I love about the 11 a.m. kick? What's that? You can drive all the way back to Austin. That's true. And it's still like you can still catch a little football. When yeah. You get home. Yep. That's very true. Or you can stay there and catch football in Dallas. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. I usually I that, stay when I've had it when I've covered that game. I usually stay the night Saturday just in case all hell broke loose, basically. And I was working till late and I didn't want to drive back to Austin. But I mean, this may be the year for sure that you drive back. Well, so. I'm so excited because you know what we've been talking about on the flagship podcast for weeks on end for our loyal listeners, you know that we have been manifesting college football into existence. We, we do meditation here. (laughs) My 17 year old son got me a yoga mat and we have learned to meditate and manifest college football into existence. I don't know what he's meditating. Chip meditating. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is my meditation. I don't know what my son's meditating about. I'm meditating college football into existence. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Taylor got on board or not, but here we are. Yep. So I'm so excited about this. I can't even stand it. And we got a seven o'clock kick on September 12th, which for the fans' sake, that's what you want. God knows you don't want to be out in the heat at 11 or 2.30 just melting like butter mm-hmm. uh, if you're part of that 25% of fans who are coming to that game. Yeah. And that's, that's the other question, Taylor, is that I want to I talk to some of these fans who are actually going to be at the game. These are, these are going to be sort of unique individuals. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have said, no, I'm good. I'm not coming to the games this year. I'll watch on TV. I'm not, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm just not, um, not feeling it. And, and that will lead us to our, our staff cuts here eventually. Uh, one of our big three headlines here on the flagship podcast this week. But would you go to a game, Taylor, if you were a fan? Um, it depends on what game it it is, but yeah, I probably would. I mean, it's outdoors. They're going to be, I mean, if I should say, as long as the protocols that have been, um, you know, unveiled and announced by universities who have already talked about limiting the stadium capacity and insurance, insuring, insuring social distancing, and then also, you know, the cashless transactions at the concession stands, when you're outside, yeah, I probably would. Um, I don't know if I would go if it was full capacity, but you know, I think with a limited capacity, I do think that you are able to, you know, really follow social distancing guidelines. And I think that's important right now. I mean, that's, I think it's been proven that those measures work, you know, wearing face masks, social distancing, it's working. So I wouldn't have an issue going to an outdoor sporting event. I probably wouldn't to like a hockey game or something or a basketball game or something, but I would for an outdoor event. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. 
but you're going to have to wear a mask. And that's the other thing. If you're going to be in a hundred degree heat, it's tough to wear a mask. Yeah, no, that's true. So that seven o'clock kick is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll have the week off and then they'll go to Lubbock and then it's October. Yeah. And that's typically when the weather is good. Right. Or starts getting to feel a little bit more like fall and a little less like summer. But, um, we don't have the kickoff yet for TCU on October 3rd in Austin, but we do have that road game at Tech on September 26th. That'll be at 2.30 on Fox. And then, as you mentioned, the Red River shootout uh, October 10th at the Cotton Bowl, 11 a.m., kegs and eggs on Fox. And so that is uh, exciting stuff. And last week, Taylor, on the flagship podcast, we were talking – about uh, graduate transfers right? and the fact that Texas was still in um, search mode in the transfer portal for uh, a running back, a wide receiver, a linebacker. The running back we mentioned last week, Gabriel Watson, the Division II leading rusher in 2018 uh, from Sioux Falls, who has made his way to campus this week. Uh, but probably won't see him for the UTEP game. It's doubtful because he's got to get up to speed on everything, but uh, might be ready to go for that Texas Tech game. But this week, um, we have another graduate transfer to talk about. Yeah, you broke the story about this. That's right. Um, At wide receiver, Brendan Schooler. Mm-hmm. This guy looks like Brecken Hager. He does. He really does. <laughs> but he's, he's, I mean, this guy is an interesting guy because he played as a freshman at Oregon and he started 10 games as a safety mm-hmm. and he had four interceptions like Caden Stearns did as a freshman. Right. And productive player, but loved, you know, wanted to play wide receiver. So he moves to wide receiver at Oregon. He only starts three games. He only catches like 20 balls, but he starts 10 games as a junior at receiver, only caught 21 passes, but he's a special teams uh, wizard. I mean, he was first team all pack 12 on special teams as a junior. And then he transferred grad transfer to Arizona to play with his brother and then the Pac-12 sacks football for the fall. And they're both like, we got to get out of here. We got to go play some football. And Brendan Schooler is now headed to Texas. And his, his brother, Colin Schooler, who's three-year starter, middle linebacker at Arizona, and a monster, right, is going to Texas Tech. Okay. How about that? I need you to kind of explain this to me, Chip, because... You know, we, we talked a little bit about this because um, after you had reported that Colin Schooler was going to Texas Tech, if you look up this kid's numbers, he is currently the active FBS leader in tackles for loss, and he's a linebacker, a position that Texas clearly needs depth and depth that would be available to play right away. Why, why, why is he not? also coming to Texas when his brother is. I, I, I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. 
And it's just becoming more and more difficult considering Texas like weakest spot on the team without a doubt, in my opinion, is linebacker. So it, it, it's literally the fact that, that Colin Schooler is a middle linebacker and Texas feels like with Delia a day away, who, who is hurt right now with a shoulder injury and is has been hurt be, a lot in his career. Right. Um, and Juwan Mitchell, a middle linebacker and court Jaquist, they feel like they've got that position. They're looking for a weak side linebacker, someone to compete with DeMarvian Overshawn and David Benda and Jalen Ford and just provide some experience at that weak side linebacker position because they don't have a guy who started a, a game there, really. Right. I mean, DeMarvian's kind of played all over the place, but not as a full-time weak side linebacker. So that's the position they're trying to fill. and. And I don't know. I don't know if they're, I mean, they're obviously we're running out of time here. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a source yesterday. I said, any, any luck in the portal for a linebacker? And the response was, we wish. So I'm still a little mystified that we didn't see more transfers out of the Big Ten in the Pac-12. I kept thinking that the portal was going to be like O'Hare Airport or Hartsfield Airport with kids running crazy trying to get uh, somewhere new, and it just didn't happen. And and look, you your time to do add drop at Texas. We're I mean classes started on August 26. We're running out of time, Taylor. So this this may end up being um, you know a running back grad transfer, a receiver grad transfer, and they may miss on the on the linebacker grad transfer. I mean, is that surprising to you? That they, yeah. that there weren't more transfers. No, that they that Texas didn't find a linebacker because that's been the position that they've been wanting to add to since the end of last year. I mean, well, I think they thought they had Tony Fields. Yeah, well, they. I think they thought they had Tony Fields, who was also at Arizona. Yeah, but he's at that weak side linebacker position, and that's that's the one they wanted, and I think. Texas felt good about Tony Fields, and then all of a sudden he got swayed by West Virginia. That's where his former linebackers coach at Arizona is now mm-hmm. uh, with, with Neil Brown on his staff at West Virginia, and I think they just basically told him, you're going to be the starter. Right. So if you, you come here, you're going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And Texas said, you're going to compete, but there's no one here who has as many starts as you. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta like your chances. He liked his chances better at West Virginia, and I think. And they also tried to recruit the kid uh, from North Dakota State, who ended up going to LSU sight unseen. So Texas gave it a shot. They just missed on a couple of uh, a couple of linebackers that they wanted. Demarco Farr, I think, is his name from North Dakota State. So that. We'll see. I mean, obviously, they're thin at that position. They're trying to get some of these young guys up to speed. They love Jalen Ford. Um, David Bender, they love his athleticism. It's not – the game hasn't quite slowed down for him yet. Right. So they're going to probably have some growing pains there. But they've got great athletic ability at that position. Of course, Joseph Osai at that jack outside linebacker position. So um, Brendan Schooler comes in. This guy, 
Gives you a lot on special teams. That's good. And he's got a lot of want to. And that I keep hearing, Taylor, that wide receiver room needs more competition, which is interesting. That is. Because there's a lot of guys in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got, you got Tariq Black, the grad transfer uh, from Michigan, who I think if the season started right now would be a starter over Brennan Eagles at the X position, which I don't know that that's good, honestly. But because Brennan Eagles needed to take off like, like Jamar Chase did at LSU last year. Right. I mean, just explode this year. And maybe he will. We'll see. Um, Jake Smith in the slot and then probably Josh Moore at that Z receiver position. Uh, but you got Marcus Washington trying to, to battle in there. The guy who was really intriguing, Calvante Dixon, has got an ankle injury. That's disappointing because he was really coming on. And I think he will be a factor once he's healthy because of his speed and wiggle. I've been told he's a lot like Reggie Hemphill Maps, who was like a comet who came through Texas one year in 2017, then he was gone. But that guy had some wiggle about him, had some um, yards after catch, was a return guy, had a 91-yard kick return against Maryland in his uh, first game. So that they need that from – Kelvante Dixon, and of course he's Keontae Ingram's younger brother. So interesting that I keep hearing they need more competition in that room. Something's something sounds a little off there, but um, well, where's you know, Jordan Whittington? Yeah, and Whittington has been you know up and down with the, he's he's a playmaker, he's a fighter, he's a football player, but he's still not all the way back to what he was. And I, and I don't even want to make a big deal about that because, you know, they I've heard he still hasn't hit 21 miles per hour in their speed testing and the way he did as a freshman, but that kid doesn't need to be absolutely, uh, you know, he doesn't need to be a four, four guy. He's, he's tough enough as a football player that he'll make plays. I mean, he just makes plays. So he's, he's, he's a guy that I think, you could see end up moving around. Yeah. Like more like kind of almost playing running back in the, or lining up in the back. I think so. I think you're going to see him as a hybrid, Mm -hmm. which is exciting. That's you give Mike years. a chance to disguise some stuff with Jordan Whittington. That's, that's exciting. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, wide receiver, I know it was an experience, you know, a lot of the bodies in depth that they have is an experience, but I, I mean, I'm I'm a little baffled by this because I felt that Texas has done a good job recruiting that position since Tom Herman has gotten here, and it just I don't know. It's very interesting to me, Chip. Well, the, and the guy who is so intriguing is Troy O'Meary, and and he's gone for the year, right? Because that guy, that guy was the the rising star who who had everybody buzzing with just how tough and physical he was, how quickly he was picking things up, how, how demonstrative he was. He wasn't afraid. He came in ready and then boom, torn ACL done for the season. And it was a non-contact we've confirmed. I mean, I know Tom Herman had said that, but we've since confirmed that that's, I mean, man, because everything we had been hearing about him in fall camp was not just from players, but behind the scenes of how impressive this kid was. And then you see the pictures of him and you're like, He's 18, like maybe, maybe 18. Looks I like mean, Megatron. I, yeah, he was a monster. He just looked like a monster in general. Whew. 
Um, That's for sure. Well, Taylor, before we get to everybody's favorite part of the show, love it or leave it, we do need to, uh, we knew this day was coming. We've been talking about it here on the flagship podcast that Texas's fiscal year ends August 31st. And that's when we would see what the shortfall is from the pandemic and what cuts would need to be made by Texas athletics to absorb those shortfalls. And we're recording on Tuesday, September 1st today, and the announcement came down that Texas uh, is going to cut 35 staff positions from athletics. They are not going to um, fill 35 other staff positions. They will be permanently eliminated, and then you're going to see salary cuts Mm -hmm. across the board. Everybody in athletics is going to take salary cuts depending on what your salary is. Um, the first 50,000 is uh, what, 2.5%. Yeah. And then above that, it goes uh, to 10%. And then if you're making 100. Right. So if you're making the big bucks, like Shaka Smart, Tom Herman, you take a 15% pay cut. And um, so that's, you know, those are sizable cuts for those coaches. Now, Texas announced that those coaches did so voluntarily. I personally, Taylor, would have had those coaches come out and say, I'm donating this money mm-hmm. to the athletic department. Right. Like, like we've seen at some other schools. It makes it sound like this coach is this incredible philanthropist <laughs> when really – it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, we're going to cut your salary by like uh, seven hundred fifty thousand yeah, dollars. Do you want donating? This do you want to donate that to the yeah. athletic department? Um, I'm wondering if that counts as a write-off. Then, if it's donation, right? Right, right. <laughs> Listen, I'd be telling my accountant this yeah. is a donation, so write this <laughs> off. You know, but um, it's. It's uh, it's a tough time. I mean, it's a really tough time. We're talking about $54.3 million that Texas is going to miss out on as a result of, A, only 25% of fans coming to football games, B, the cut in the season tickets, and C, the, the season ticket contributions uh, currently are being uh, – offered to season ticket holders as either a refund. Uh, you can keep your money with the school for next year or you can donate it. Right. And, and so the, the total shortfall is $54.3 million. The good news is they're not cutting any sports like you saw at Iowa, which immediately came out with a $100 million shortfall and said, we're getting rid of men's and women's swimming and diving, men's tennis, um, soccer. I mean, Texas is not cutting any, any sports, but, uh, 35 staff positions. Texas was always fat mm-hmm. on the staff positions. I've been writing about that for years. They were under Steve Patterson. They were at 418, um, employees. And, you know, typically it's, two student athletes per one full-time employee. Texas has 500 student athletes. And so they should be around 250. I think OU's at 268 with the same number of student athletes. Yeah. Texas is now going to be around 330. 
Okay. And that's as lean as Texas has been in the last 10 years. So uh, Chris Del Conte having to restructure the athletic department and, um, and then everyone else having to, to take share in some of the pain here as we try to coexist with COVID-19. Right. And didn't Chris Del Conte, when he first was hired, didn't he already do some staff cuts in the yes. athletic department to try to trim the fat a little bit? After his first year, he he reduced the department by 44. Okay. And it helped get him to round three, 370, 380 mm-hmm. in terms of the employees because they were, like I said, around 420. And then, um, you know, they were able to make it. Then they had positions where people left and they didn't fill those positions. And those are the 35 uh, staff positions that they are now just, they're vacant that they're now just going to eliminate. Okay. So uh, Texas getting down to around 330 and that's, that's about where A&M is mm-hmm. with the same number of uh, athletics. And, and so this is about where Texas should be Taylor. Right. In, in terms of just not being totally fat, you know, I think, People were, employees were allowed to stay and positions were added uh, late in the DeLos Dodds era and, and things, times were good. Mm-hmm. Look, you got LHN, you got 300 million guaranteed over 20 years. No other schools getting that. Right. You can afford to have some more, uh, some more employees. But the other thing too is the Irwin Center, um, they're, they're consolidating the Irwin Center employees, and that's going to be a big chunk of this because athletics owns the Irwin Center, mm-hmm. but they don't get the money from it. It goes to the school. I mean, it's, it's one of these things that uh, it's on athletics books, but it's really the money is going to the university. So um, obviously they're going to be getting out of the Irwin Center and into the, the Moody Center starting – in January of 22, but this fiscal year, this 2021 fiscal year, Texas still has to, you know, deal with the whole nonsense of the Irwin Center employees showing up as athletics employees, and when the money is going to the Central University. So um, I know they're consolidating some of that and moving it over. Uh, to the Central University, I think for this for this year, this fiscal year, so that athletics can can get a little leaner. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. So is Chris Del Conte also involved in the budget cuts, or is this just his staff members? Nope, he's taking the pay cut too, and he's a big he's a big money guy. So he's yeah. he's taking the fifteen percent cut. He got a pay raise because USC came after him twice, mm-hmm. and so he's he's worth. $2 million. Right. I don't blame USC. They've had atrocious right. leadership in their athletic department for the past decade. I think so. I don't blame them at all. All right. So here's, here's a math question for you, Taylor. How were you oh, at math? Not great. So, okay. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to punch in $2 million in my little calculator here. Okay. Times 0.15, right? Mm-hmm. 15%. So that'd be 300,000. Look, you did it. 
There's my so Chris Del Conte is going to be uh, – <laughs> He'll be without $300,000 of his salary for the 2021 fiscal year. Now, Tom Herman at $6 million, I punched $6 million into my... What, $900,000? Oh, look at you. I mean... Gosh, maybe I'm not as bad at math. Yeah, you're really Basic good at math. this, actually. <laughs> I think you're showing off now. No. $900,000 Tom Herman will be without... Uh, for the 2021 fiscal year. He still has $5.1 million that he's bringing in. So Still $5.1 million, yes. I think, uh, you know. If he has a good accountant, he can tough. say, I <laughs> donated this yeah. to the university. Isn't part of his salary already paid into like an LLC, though? Yeah, the 1-0 mm -hmm. LLC. So, yeah, so he already, I think, gets some tax breaks because of that, right? And last year was the first year he went 1-0. Yeah, that's true. Louisiana Tech. Mm -hmm. He got rid of the Maryland uh, non-conference game. Yeah. Texas never needs to schedule Maryland or BYU. Like, ever. 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 No, no reason for it. If it's in your, you know, if it's a bowl game, whatever. But if you're actually in charge of the schedules, I would avoid them like the plague because we've what seen a lot of people. 0-5 <laughs> in their last... Five meetings against those two? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chip. Well, before we get to everybody's favorite segment, Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a very, very short break. But you'll definitely want to stick around because we are going to cover some really hot topics in this week's Love It or Leave It, including Oklahoma naming Spencer Rattler as the starting quarterback for the week one game against Missouri State, how that impacts the Big 12 and Texas's race to a Big 12 title. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, so Taylor. Yes. Is it not time? I think it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Yes, I think it is, Chip. Okay, here All on the right. flagship podcast. So, and by the way, if you're enjoying us, I mean, and we know you are because we see the numbers. <laughs> um, then please, by all means, get over to iTunes and leave us a review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. I mean, what you like, and then. Give us a five-star rating, and our bosses will be like, oh, my gosh, look, Chip and Taylor are not wasting our time doing this podcast. Exactly. And, you know, Chip, one thing, and we have to thank the listeners for this as well, is um, the month of August, we actually almost doubled our listener numbers for the entire month. So, obviously, we wouldn't reach that accomplishment without our valued listeners, so we really appreciate that. 
And, uh, you know, as Chip mentioned, go over to the iTunes channel, give us a five-star rating review. And, uh, you know, we'll read those reviews on the air when they come in. And, you know, we are very appreciative of that. And that's awesome, Chip, because I think a lot of that has to do with maybe your interview with Bob Bowlesby, because that was something. So if you missed that exclusive interview that Chip had with Bob Bowlesby, uh, you definitely want to check that out. Um, and then also Monday's episode with Jordan Shipley, which, I mean, that interview was if you haven't listened to Monday's episode of the flagship podcast, do yourself a favor, listen to Chip's interview with Jordan Shipley. You will be reminiscing on the great times. You will be cracking up at some of the behind the scenes stories. Just absolutely. It's worth, it's worth the listen. So definitely go check that out. Yeah. Shipley is one of a kind. He is is one of a kind. (laughs) All right, Chip. Well, all right. So we're going to bring in here, love it or leave it. I'm going to pose a couple of statements to you. If you agree with the statement, you'll love it. If you disagree, you will leave it. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. So Hopefully I'll have answers as quickly as you came up with those math equations. I know, right? <laughs> All right, Chip. So for the first one, love it or leave it, Troy O'Meary would have been the starting X receiver had he not gotten hurt. You know what? I'm going to love this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love this. I'm not. This is not hyperbolic. This is not... This is not uh, speculation on my part. I was told this by a, a team source I trust that Troy O'Meary was far and away the best X receiver in camp before he suffered the torn ACL and would have been the starter at the X as a true freshman ahead of Brennan Eagles and Tariq Black. So that gives you some idea of the upside of Troy O'Meary because you're, you're talking about Colin Johnson being replaced by Troy O'Meary. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to see this kid. Uh, everybody was raving, and I feel, you know, bad for Troy O'Meary for sure because he had put in the work. But, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this. Troy O'Meary would have been the starter at the X receiver position if he had not gotten hurt. You know, it's kind of interesting you, you brought up like him replacing Colin Johnson because I almost kind of feel like the way that Troy O'Meary kind of came on the scene in such a short period of time um, as a true freshman is kind of similar to the way that Colin Johnson did as a true freshman during his first season at Texas. And it's also ironic that Colin Johnson, his nickname in high school was Megatron as well. So it is a little surprising there. So, I mean, I agree with you. You know, everything that we had heard was – I mean, it wasn't, you know, just uh, coach speak being told to us. This was legitimate. And, um, you know, I mean, it's really disappointing, obviously, for Troy O'Meary and for Texas. But that should at least give Texas fans some hope at what that position could be when he has another year, a year in the strength and conditioning um, department, a full, you know, year to get healthy and everything. I mean, I think it's really unfortunate for the 2020 season. But if anything, Texas fans need to take you know, look to the future when it comes to Troy O'Meary, because I think he is as good as advertised. Yeah, no doubt about it. He may be better than Colin Johnson. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Colin had an unbelievable sophomore year Mm -hmm. and junior year. Yeah. And then he was hurt last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still had some big catches, still came through in some big games. That Kansas game where Texas had to drive. Les Miles went for two, took the lead. Everybody was getting ready to just throw up in their uh, in their smoker. 
and fire Tom Herman, but Sam Ellinger to Colin Johnson down the field, Cameron Dicker, and W. Yeah, I still I still love the conversation. So behind the scenes, I know Texas fans don't even want to reminisce about that Kansas game last year. But so Chip, myself, and then Jeff Howe from Horns 24-7, we all sit next to each other in the press box, like one after the other. And we're watching this game go down. And I think it was Jeff that was like, they may, Texas might have a chance of losing this game. And it was like midway through the game where he said that. And then as the game progressed, he's like, no, for real, Texas may actually have a chance of losing this game. And then towards the end, he was like, is Texas going to lose this game? <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, they're going to lose. They're going to lose this game. So we're all sitting there like mentally preparing for the absolute horrific meltdown on our message board that would follow. And sadly, we've been involved with a message board meltdown after a Texas team lost to Kansas from the 2016 season. So I think we all were having like PTSD, like flashes of it, like, oh no, like this is going to be horrific. Like the next, you know, four weeks are going to be horrific. (laughs) But thankfully, Cameron Dicker, Sam Ellinger, Colin Johnson came through there. But that was, I don't, like when I think about his expression too was the best, like, they're going to lose this game. Oh. <laughs> it was so like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening again. <laughs> oh, and he had the Mad Hatter going for two and yeah. and converting. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, they won, so. They won. There we go. <laughs> they won. All right, Chip. So um, my next one for you, love it or leave it, Colin Johnson will have the biggest impact ac- as a rookie in the NFL among the three drafted Longhorns between him, Devin DuVernay, and Brandon Jones? Love it or leave it? You know, um, even though I think Brandon Jones, well, Brandon Jones and Devin DuVernay were the higher draft picks. Mm-hmm. Brandon Jones was, and Devin DuVernay were both third-round picks. Brandon Jones to the Miami Dolphins, Devin DuVernay to the Baltimore Ravens. And I do think Devin DuVernay is going to get on the field for the Ravens, mm-hmm. but something tells me by the way that Colin Johnson performed in the final scrimmage for the Jaguars, he had a 31 yard touchdown catch and another deep catch that, and he's, he's really getting in and out of his breaks. I mean, I think he's really getting coached up there in Jacksonville by um, Keenan McCardle, the receivers coach. Something tells me Colin Johnson might end up having the better year of those three, even as a fifth-round pick, and even with the absolutely shoot-ready aim Jacksonville Jaguars, who seem to be getting rid of all of their best players so they can tank for Trevor. Yeah, including Leonard Fournette. who Leonard, Leonard Fournette and Joaquin Ngoku, who just their top sack guy who they – basically gave away to the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny. I was talking to Quan Cosby today on the radio show because he and Jordan Shipley both spent time with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars, two of the worst run franchises in the NFL. And Quan Cosby was talking about how he gets to Jacksonville and Aaron Ross is there. Mm-hmm. And they're in a special teams meeting and the head coach and the special teams coach start fighting. 
and like physical fighting. Well, just kind of arguing with each okay. other. Okay. And Aaron Ross leans over to to Quan and said, "Welcome to Jacksonville." <laughs> so I feel bad for Colin Johnson from that standpoint, but hey, he just wants the opportunity. Just make plays, put it on film, and maybe you you're lucky enough to to get up and get out. But as a fifth round pick, the odds are against you to make the team. So I'm gonna go a little bit of a long shot there, Taylor, and I'm gonna I'm gonna love this. Okay. I think Colin Johnson ends up. Uh, I mean, you know, here's I mean, this it's almost stupid of me to say this, right? Because Colin's had some injuries. He's been a little injury prone. Devin Duvernay doesn't miss a thing. Right. He never comes off the field. He never drops a pass. And I think they love him in Baltimore. So yeah. I'm probably leading with my heart there, but yeah. I'll, I'll stick with it. Well, who, see, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the other, you know, playmakers on the Jaguars roster. I know they just well, get got this. Rid of Leonard Fournette. Is it Gardner Minshew? Is he the quarterback? Yeah. So Gardner Minshew okay. the quarterback in Jacksonville. And how about this? Devin Duvernay is backing up Hollywood Brown. <laughs> OU. Yes. And Colin Johnson is backing up D.D. Westbrook in Jacksonville. Oh, you. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a matter of time, Taylor. Yeah. For those Longhorns start inching their way onto the field. Right. And Brandon yeah. Jones, from what I hear, Brandon Jones is doing everything in camp. Like they've got him at free safety, strong safety, nickel, even some linebacker. And he's doing it all. He's like, hey, whatever I got to do. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's behind a veteran. Um, at free safety right now, but the way he's tackled everything, I, I'd be surprised if he's not on the field pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and he was always a team player type of guy. I mean, he was never a look at me player, was never, you know, why am I not getting my chance? Even when he, you know, had to play as a true freshman and went through his struggles, he was still, he never put his head down and quit or anything. I mean, now, I think Brandon Jones was a huge loss for Texas secondary going into this year. Probably one that a lot of people never even gave the credit for, for all that he did as being almost the quarterback on the defense and, you know, lighting the, the young guys up um, last year when he has, you know, true freshmen and first time starters all around him. I mean, that, that in itself is a full-time job. And then, you know, being one of the more productive um, people in the secondary was big. I think I'm going to leave this mainly because I, I mean, the one thing Devin DuVernay has that Colin Johnson has, it's a pretty substantial, you know, quarterback that will be uh, throwing it around. So I think Devin DuVernay might have the chance, but if he's, I mean, if he's behind Hollywood Brown, that's going to be a, a challenge um, in itself, but I'm, I'm going to go with Devin, just, you know, the consistency that he showed at Texas not just as a senior, he, that's what everyone points to. But I mean, that, that dude didn't drop a pass for his first three years at Texas either. <laughs> everyone talks about the senior years. Like this isn't new. He just was never the standout look at me showboat type of player. So he just was the quiet assassin essentially at receiver for Texas. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it. I do. I've always loved Colin. I love their family. Um, I've known Colin since he was a sophomore in high school you know, such a great kid. I think he has a, you know, if he stays healthy, I think he has a very bright future, but just based off of everything considered, I'm going with, I'm going to go with Duvernay. All right. I got one. I, well, no, actually you have one. 
Yes, I have one, and then you can ask yours. So, all right, Chip. So on Tuesday, Lincoln Riley announced that redshirt freshman quarterback Spencer San Spencer Rattler, excuse me, uh, will start the season opener against Missouri State for the Sooners. Love it or leave it, Rattler will finish the season all Big Twelve ahead of Sam Ellinger. Okay, I'm going to leave this. Yeah. And if you're a loyal listener of the flagship podcast, you know that I am a schedule wonk. Mm -hmm. And I have pointed out that Oklahoma got the raw end of the deal on the revised Big 12 scheduling because, I mean, as good as Spencer Rattler is and everybody, all the rumblings out of Norman are that this guy is game ready. He is just going to blow people away you still got to get on the field and do it and Oklahoma's opening with some tough defenses K-State Iowa State Texas and then TCU those are the first four defenses that Spencer Rattler is going to face this is Sam Ellinger's year this is the Longhorns year Um, I'm going to leave this because I think Sam Ellinger is going to have the all big 12 year and lead the Longhorns to a big 12 title. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm also going to leave this. Um, and we may be stupid for leaving this because if, if Lincoln Riley has shown anything, it's that he can put the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in college football on the field and, you know, have them make a run. Um, but I agree. Is- I mean, Sam Ellinger, I think, just the whole body of work. He has the experience. He uh, is going to be the most experienced quarterback, obviously in the Texas OU game, usually the most experienced quarterback wins that game. Um, Yeah. I think, I think this is Sam Ellinger's year. I think, especially with, uh, you know, if the big 10 and decides not to play um, in the fall or anything, I mean, I think Sam Ellinger will be a Heisman candidate for sure. Um, probably a finalist. I'm not sure. I mean, it's all going to be dependent on how the ACC season plays out with Trevor Lawrence. I would imagine he's going to be the favorite throughout the entire season. However, you know, I wouldn't count out Sam Ellinger because uh, he's proven himself time and again, even if people don't want to give him as much credit as he deserves. I mean, pro football focus has rated him among the top five most consistent and most productive quarterbacks for each of the last two seasons in college football, not just for Texas, like, or in the big 12 in college football as a whole. So I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going with Ellinger. Um, you know, I think this is his time to shine. Okay. I, I, uh, I'm with you on that. All right. I'm going to ask you a love it or leave it question, (laughs) Taylor, uh, as we wrap up the, this week's version of the flagship podcast. Um, the interview with Jordan Shipley, on Monday's uh, episode of the flagship podcast is your favorite interview that we've done on the flagship podcast. And we've done a lot. We've had some great guests in here. Yeah. Love it or leave it. Oh man. That's a tough one because we've have a, we've had a lot of good guests. I mean, the Bob Bowlesby interview, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that was, you know, he, he really delivered the goods too, but I think I'm going to love this. I really do. Um, especially so, you know, unfortunately they weren't, we didn't make that, that Monday's interview, a video episode. I almost wish we would have because, uh, 
just seeing Jordan's expression in telling some of these absolutely like crazy stories that if you're not from, you know, the South and you're not, you know, kind of uh, an outdoorsman, you would be telling these stories and cracking up because they're so funny. And he's just saying, they're like, oh, yeah. So Colt one time got stuck in the mud on a horse and just straight face, like no expression. <laughs> I'm sitting here watching this with my mic off and I'm just cracking up watching this interview. I mean, it was so funny to me, his story about his grandmother, like putting people in their place and she's the ultimate outdoorsman. I mean, it was just such a great interview, in my opinion, from you know his account of everything that happened during his time at Texas, being a part of two national championship rosters. You know, uh, he was on the 05 roster. He was injured, obviously, and then was on the 09 roster as well. Um, but then the behind-the-scenes story with him and Colt McCoy. I mean, I wrote a headline yesterday, Chip, and the headline, I believe it was, how uh, antlers, horses, and mud led to McCoy and Shipley showing up late to practice. That's a headline I never thought I would ever in my right mind ever, you know, publish. But I did, and it was hilarious. I mean, the story itself was hilarious. I have a, I have a theory. Whenever Colt McCoy officially retires from football, if he and Jordan Shipley don't do some type of Duck Dynasty spinoff type of show, they're missing a huge opportunity because I think that that would just absolutely crush it. Like them just being crazy, you know, in a, whether it's hunting, fishing, whatever it is, just in the outdoors. And then they're also two of the most legendary, you know, college football players as a whole. Definitely two of the most legendary Texas football players to ever play for the University of Texas. I mean, I just think they have to do it. They have to. I mean, I, I seriously want to be like, I will freaking champion for this. I will try to get this on because I think that would just kill it if they did a show like that. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I mean, the fact that uh, they were tracking, his grandmother was tracking an elk. <laughs> yes. And this went on to the point where they lost track of time and they were way out in the middle of nowhere. And he has to call Greg Davis and say, Hey, uh, coach, my grandma was tracking this elk and we finally killed it, yeah. but I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm going to be late to practice. And Greg Davis is like, you redneck, <laughs> but it's kind of hard to get mad at Jordan Shipley and Cole McCoy. They were the offense in 2009. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, no, it's great stuff. And he does reveal the game plan for the 2009 Texas National Championship game against Alabama before Colt McCoy got hurt. So uh, check that, that out. People had seen only once before, too. That's right. That's right. So Definitely. there's a little tease for everybody to go running to that interview. Definitely. If you have not listened to it already, uh, of course, uh, all of our Horns 24-7 podcasts, the the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers, um, the uh, the um, recruiting state of recruiting state of recruiting with Mike my man Roach. Mike Roach and Bobby Burton, and, and of course the flagship podcast with the one and only Taylor Estes and myself. And we sure do appreciate everybody listening. If you if you get the chance, we'd love a, a five star rating and a review. We'll read the review on the air. We will. Um, and uh, we always appreciate the time that you spend with us. And so until next week, everybody stay safe and keep the faith. And thanks for listening. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 